fucking stupid, pure horseshit. The death of horror right here in front of us. I jumped. It scared me. A fucking Facebook killer? You're kidding me, right? I guess now it would be Twitter that make more sense. A bunch of articulate teens sit around and deconstruct horror movies until Ghostface kills them one by one. It's been done to death. The whole self-aware, postmodern meta shit. Sick of fork in 1996 already. I like the stab movies. They're scarier. It's not aliens or zombies or little Asian ghost girls. There's something real about a guy with a knife who just snaps. Hello, and welcome back to Spooky Tuesday. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And some people have a very public apology to make to me about Scream 4. I don't know who you're referring to. <laughs> Whatever um, you mean, Sydney. <laughs> you know what I mean, Monica okay. and Chelsea. So at the end of the last episode, I had some strong words, some passionate words. Let's reframe some passionate words to say about Scream 4. Um, and I would now like to eat those words. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I don't have the exact quote of what I said at the end of the last episode, but I'm pretty sure it was something angry, like, it's a bad movie, like, something to that effect. It's fucking you definitely, terrible. Yeah, you definitely said something about um, apologizing for saying that, that Scream 2 was the worst movie in the franchise and that Scream 4 took the kick by far. Yes. Okay, I might still stand by that in the grand scheme of all of the mm-hmm. movies, but what happened is we tried something on Monday. We wa- did a double feature of Scream 3 and Scream 4 to prepare for recording, and that, never do that. Never do that, because I watched Scream 4, and I hated it more than I had ever hated anything in my entire life. It is now six days later. I woke up very early in the morning to watch Scream 4 once again, and I fucking loved it. So I don't know what happened in the last six days, but I'm a different girl now, and I'm sorry. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, Again, I gave Scream 3 six out of five knives, so you know that my opinion of Scream 3 is very high. I think just watching any movie after Scream 3, it would look like trash. You know, like nothing could follow that work of art for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we did is we watched them back to back. And then when we were recording our Scream 3 episode, Monica and I had some not so nice things to say. Honestly, I thought we were all on the same page. And I was very surprised to hear that Sydney liked Scream 4. Um, because I hadn't gotten that vibe from her so far. She didn't give me and a Monica, vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, where did that come from? I didn't know. But Monica and I were absolutely being enormous haters um, <laughs> and Sydney refused to be bullied by us so good for her um, good because for you. we really were beating her down and she wasn't having it and eventually during that conversation I started to come around and be like you know I guess when we when I first watched Scream 4 I didn't remember it being bad and when we watched it with our OG spooky crew I don't really remember not liking it um, but why did I hate it so much this time? And so Monica and I agreed that we would rewatch it. And 
when you when you don't come right off of Scream 3, you know what I mean? When you give Scream 4 a chance to stand on its own, it's it's got some some things going for it. It really does. I I can't believe that I like literally gave it like I was preparing my fives knives out of fives the first time around and I was like this is getting like a one. This is getting like a negative one. I hated it that much. And now like that's going to go up at least a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie is so good. It didn't get the love that it deserved. And I think that is because so many people love the original trilogy. And this movie is, it's a remake. It's not, it was supposed to be the first movie of a new trilogy, uh, which didn't happen. But we are getting a Scream 5 in the next couple of years, which I'm very excited about. And uh, I don't know, this movie... I love the Scream movies. I've always loved the Scream movies. And this was the first Scream movie that I was old enough to go see in theaters, which I'm older than both of you, not by much, but y'all were seniors in high school when this came out? Yep, 2011, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what month. I remember watching it in college, but like on TV or something. Yeah, so I was able to see this in theaters and- Monica loves seeing horror movies in theaters. It just, it does something to you. And we were so far removed because this movie did come out 11 years after Scream 3 that it was, you know, a whole new, it's a standalone movie from the first three. Totally. You need that space from the original trilogy to to make it more because that's how it actually was like there was an 11 year gap so we needed a six day gap between watching scream three (laughs) and watching scream four to sort of put us in the mindset of the 2011 viewer you know um we're method actors so that's what Chelsea and I worked on this week. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason I had such an intense hatred is because I do feel like Scream 4 really tries to pretend that Scream 3 doesn't exist. Um, And it doesn't Mm -hmm. really acknowledge Scream 2 like that much either. It's very directly referential to the events of the Mm -hmm. first Scream, which makes sense because they were back in Woodsboro The murders in Scream 2 and Scream 3 didn't happen in Woodsboro. So other than them happening to Sydney, Dewey, and Gail, everybody else is kind of like, who who gives a fuck? Um, That doesn't have anything to do with us. So it makes sense. Um, But I just got my feelings hurt. Um, (laughs) And I I think... um, if we talked about in the Scream 2 episode about how they were maybe going to call it Scream Again or something like that. Scream um, Louder. Scream Louder. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I not over if, it. If this one had been Scream Louder or something, that is a good title. Um, I would have received it differently than with the title of Scream 4, which felt like Scream 4 is supposed to follow Scream 3 and Scream 4 was like, who? I don't know her. Um, But if you are not um, putting your heart on the line as a Scream 3 stan, there's there's good work here. 
Yeah, I mean, also, Sydney, I'm so jealous that you saw it in theaters because I feel like I would have lost my shit if I saw this in theaters back in the day. Like, there's so many, it's, it's, it's so the modern horror film, you know? And that's another thing that made it really hard to watch right after because it, like, really falls into to what the 2010 horror film tropes were. And that's not what the original three were. So I was just like, this is stupid. Because the 90s were a beautiful time and that horror is my favorite kind of horror. But you know what? This has its place and it's in my heart now. So thank you, Sydney, for showing me the light. The cold opening in this movie in the theaters was amazing. Oh. It was so good. Because it's it's better than the third's cold opening. Not mm. as better as the first two. So I would say this is, of one to four, the third best cold opening. Because that hurts my feelings a little bit. I disagree, I mean, but we'll continue we're giving, your point. We're given three... Basically, three cold openings that could all stand alone. They were so good. In the first one, we have Lucy Hale and the girl from uh, Degrassi and 90210. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's Shanae Grimes. Okay. We have her and Lucy Hale. And they're talking about Saw 4 and it just being torture porn, which is very in the moment, 2011. I freaking hate the Saw movies. Oh, I really, that really resonated with me. Continue. (laughs) And it's so, it's so funny because they get a phone call. One, that landlines are still so relevant in 2011 is hilarious in itself. Or whenever Stab 6 came out. When was that? Like, 2006? Maybe. I guess landlines were still a thing in 2006. So that checks out. Mm. But so... They call and she's like, oh, you have the wrong number. And the killer goes, if you hang up, I'm going to slit your throat till I feel bone. And Lucy Hale just hands the phone off and goes, here, it's for you. (laughs) Such a bitch move. (laughs) Which is so hilarious. It feels a little bit very high school you know what I mean like your friend has been talking to this psycho stalker on Facebook messenger or not Facebook messenger because that didn't exist back in the day it's just regular Facebook messaging um and she's on her sidekick or whatever the sidekick really took me there like wow (laughs) that was a visceral thing it would only be better if it was a a razor (laughs) (laughs) No, all the cool kids had sidekicks. That was the rule. No, I know. And I didn't. I had the Miami Ink tattoo edition of the razor. And I thought that that was cool. It was not as cool as the sidekick. And I'm still salty to this day that I never got one. Yeah, I didn't have one either. I had a razor also. Mm. We were the cool ones. They just didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) But then we see it's now the next cold opening and we get Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell talk about heavy hitters. Oh, I was happy to see Kristen Bell. That was, that was good for me. <laughs> right. And they're, they're ripping metal horror apart. You know, Anna Paquin is just over this bullshit. She's like, it's predictable. It's the death of horror, blah, 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 blah. And then 
all of a sudden, and they're also watching Stab Six, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that actually, I have a question about that. Okay. So is Shanae Grimes and Lucy Hale in Stab Six, is that the end of Stab Six and they've turned it off because they've finished the movie? Or is that the beginning of Stab Six, but Anna Paquin was being a bitch, so she was like, let's stop watching? I feel like it's the beginning of Stab mm-hmm. Six, and then Anna Paquin is like, fuck this, I don't want to watch this movie because it's stupid, which she goes into that rant about. Yeah. She's <laughs> being a me and Monica. No, I, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, so, Sydney, did you relate to Kristen Bell's character when she stabbed <laughs> her in the stomach for criticizing her movie? <laughs> yes, I did, Monica. I mm-hmm. also thought about doing that to you and Chelsea with Scream 4. These are the times where I'm glad that we recorded cord remotely Uh (laughs) a little distance healthy for everyone (laughs) but that's something where Anna Paquin is it's the same thing over and over and over again and then bam Kristen Bell just guts her in the tummy which also now I want to know more about stab seven is Kristen Bell just slaying everybody and we know it's Kristen Bell the whole time does the ghost face mask make an entrance again or is Kristen Bell just being like I don't give a fuck and I'm gonna stab everybody the second they piss me off like I just want to know I want to see every stab movie I want them to make eight stab movies I'm I down. do want to see all of the actual stab movies I'm very interested in that stab five with time travel I would like to see it I would love to see it if I will pay in it for sure I can already tell you I would have given it a zero out of five knives but no. I would want to watch it no so that that reference is actually really funny mm. Wes Craven because he directed a nightmare on Elm Street he brought in one of the sequels with that tried to be like oh yeah let's do time travel in this thing and the people were like absolutely not so it's really funny that they were (laughs) they were able to just do oh this had time travel in it it was so dumb yeah that was a that was like that's how great Wes Craven is he's so funny he gets it I'm glad he can make fun of himself. He sees the error in his ways. Yeah, he did suggest time travel in the first place, though. So, I mean, let's keep that in mind. Oh, God. The sequels get a little hairy for Nightmare on Elm Street. But let's focus on Scream 4. (laughs) So then we get the the real cold opening of this movie. And, you know, it's two girls. This is also the only cold opening where there is no men whatsoever. It's all women in this cold opening. Love it. Does that imply that Marnie and Jenny are a couple? Oh, because it's normally... God, I hope so. But does that mean Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell are also a couple? No, because they exist in the Stab movies, not mm-hmm. in the Scream movies. Exactly. Oh. That's fiction, yeah, Sydney. Yeah. But this <laughs> one is real. <laughs> Scream 1 is Casey and Steve. Scream 2 is Phil and Maureen. Um, Scream 3 is Cotton and Cotton's girlfriend. Scream 4 are another couple, perhaps? Our first mm-hmm. gay couple in Scream, perhaps? I think Ooh. based on the evidence of the prior films that we are left with no other choice but to believe that they are in a beautiful relationship. I'm down. They don't but, seem like they are in love with each other. Um, no. But I, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Maybe if they survived, they would have found out in college. Aww. Good for them. (laughs) Too bad they never got there. 
But so it's Marnie and Jenny. Mm-hmm. And Jenny is having to explain all of the stab movies to Marnie because Marnie is just, these movies are stupid. I don't get it. Kind of like y'all. And- no, I, I, I watched that part. Also, she gets like into the, the logistics of like how the kills don't make sense. And I was like, is this Chelsea Duff? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, it's got the questions need to be asked. They beg to be asked. And Marnie was asking them and then she got murked. So just be well, careful, Chelsea. I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> it's spooky because Jenny goes upstairs, which is rule number one in a horror movie. Ugh. Never go upstairs. Oh. And then they're separated. And Jenny tries to prank call Marnie. And then Marnie ends up dead. <laughs> Why'd you and just say that like Elmer Fudd? I don't know. I it liked just it. felt right. <laughs> it's, it suited the moment. Wait, who am I talking about? I'm not even talking. Elmer Fudd is not who I'm thinking. Porky Pig. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to make fun of me, do it right. Okay, Chelsea? <laughs> Sometimes I need a minute. <laughs> but so Marnie is now dead. And Jenny's on the phone with the killer, and he even brings up classic horror tropes of, oh, yeah, you're the dumb blonde with the big tits. You're going to be fun. And she just snaps back, excuse me, I have a 4.0 GPA and 135 IQ, asshole, which is such a high school girl thing to say. It's Mm -hmm. so funny. (laughs) But also that made me feel like the killer is such a dick this movie like obviously they're always a dick um because they're they're killing people which is inherently an asshole move um but just so mean like needlessly mean oh ghostface is ruthless in this movie he has he doesn't hesitate murdering anybody and he'll just go for it like quickly um, well, that's because <laughs> Ghostface this time is like some freaking pubescent teens. <laughs> so they're hella fucking petty. True. But they were also pubescent teens in the first one. They were pretty petty in the first one, too. That is true. <laughs> Billy and Stu forever. But they weren't like making direct attacks on anybody's character, you know? They they had some respect for their victims. <laughs> you know, you're true. They would never insult their intelligence in that way. So. I'm not saying Billy and Stu weren't misogynists. I'm just saying they were quieter about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny and Marnie are now both dead. And we are back in Woodsboro. Like, yeah, okay, so you're right. There were some good parts about the opening, but I still think that this is the weakest one out of the four, and you can't train, turn me otherwise just because it was a little stunty for me, you know, with all the, like, JK, it's not the actual opening. It was a movie all along, like, at two times. It, like, felt more like a, like a scary movie, like Scary Movie the franchise um, to me than the mm. other ones did. Um, cause I've seen all the scary movies and before I saw Scream 4 and before I saw most of the other screams. Um, and yeah, it just, it felt 
it felt like that. And that's not a compliment, really. <laughs> I've changed your mind about the film as a whole. I will not argue against your cold opening stance. I will let that one rest. Thank okay. You. You're going to pick you. your battles. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I also... can't be there the whole way with you, but I'm there with you way more than I was Monday night. So <laughs> yeah, I really like the, the Scream 3 cold open. Um, I know you guys are not quite as on board with it as I am. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the stab parts of this cold open are a blast. I just don't like the scream four parts of the cold open nearly as much um and for no like particularly good reason other than i don't think that the garage door would make her body crunch when it closed on her for one and like for yeah. some reason running into the unfinished room that somehow has stairs in it and then goes down to a garage like that really throws me for some reason that they just like, is it under construction? I don't know. My mind just starts like asking questions and I get distracted and it takes me out. I did like the little Tatum throwback with the garage in this one. So that was nice to see because as we all know, <gasps> everybody forgets about Tatum. <laughs> um, Now that just made me feel like there should have been a scene where Sydney visits Tatum's grave. Oh, Check the deleted scenes. There should have been more Tatum. They're back in Woodsboro. They're like, back in Woodsboro. There should have been more Tatum in this movie. Nobody's even going to mention it to Dewey with Woodsboro murders happening again. Like, it's not going to come up at all. Come on. Yeah, not even Deputy Judy, who's so freaking in love with him. It's so creepy. She She wouldn't be like... How are you doing about your sister who was massacred here however many years ago? Like, that would be a great I'm a supportive deputy move for her. Oh, that's a good but way to bring it That is a good point. Can we also talk about how Dewey is now sheriff of Woodsboro? No, I don't want to. <laughs> Dewey does have a fantastic mustache. Yes. In this movie, though. I think he looks cute as an older man. And he's not old by any means. But I'm just saying he is 10 years older than the last movies. And he looks nice. Good job, Dewey. Uh, Dale, as we lovingly call them. Or Gooey. Gooey. Um, <laughs> they both look incredible in oh. this movie. Ooh, Courtney Cox. Incredible. I just was blown away many, many times. Just... Good job, honey. <laughs> What's so interesting about it to me, though, is that so much of the fashion in this movie is abysmal. And it's not oh, just that we're watching okay. in 2020 and it was filmed in 2011. It's that the fashion to me is very, like, 2007 for some reason. Like, it feels like even when this movie came out, the fashion was really behind. But Gail is the only person who looks incredible. And Sydney, when she's, like, dressed up for her events, she looks amazing. And the way her hair is done, like, very, very cute. But then the rest of the movie, when she's just, like, putzing around town, they put her in these, like, big baggy cardigans and, like, loose pants. And they just – her hair is down. She just looks like a suburban mom. And that's not her vibe. And I don't know why they did that to her. Yeah, and she's just – she is not a suburban mom. She doesn't have kids. I don't think she lives in the suburbs. Like, she, it, it doesn't make She's any sense. She's probably still in that dope-ass Monterey house, like, living her life. Her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 
You know, the one thing I will say is that Nev Campbell has aged like a fine wine. She looked the exact same, in my opinion, except for the dowdy clothes that they put her in. So Mm -hmm. I was very thrilled with that. She honestly, this could have come out like two years after, and I believe it. What do we think about Sydney being an author in this book? In this book, in this movie? It feels good to me. Yeah, it makes more sense than her uh, performing on stage to the masses, you know? Um, <laughs> but ugh, I, I I could see how she would hate the book tour, that having yeah. to go on the book tour and do all of that. I like felt bad that she had to do that. She seemed miserable. I think the book is great because I think it also implies that uh, Sydney has been through a lot of therapy and this book Mm -hmm. is a product of her intense therapy in the past 11 years. Finally. I. We love to see it. Hate Alison Brie. I love Alison Brie, but I hate Rebecca, the publicist in this movie. She is so obnoxious. She's so obnoxious. She just, like, has no understanding of her client at all. She didn't mm-hmm. even read Sydney's book. Like, what the fuck? And also, she comes out here freaking insulting Gail Weathers. Who are you? No, sit down. I don't... Okay. I like Rebecca. <laughs> um, I think she is a dumb bitch and she does a lot of dumb bitch things. But I think for the most part, she's not trying to burn Gail. It's just that Gail has been kind of spinning her wheels for like 10 years. Um, I don't. They don't really talk about what Gail's been up to other than we know she's in a slump now. But they say that multiple stab movies were based off multiple books from her. So presumably she also wrote about... Scream 2 and Scream 3. Um, and then maybe she did some other books in the meantime. I think they said she's working on fiction now, but I don't know if this is like her first foray into fiction. Um, I would imagine that she could be doing other true crime novels, and I don't know why she's not, because she could still live in Woodsboro and like travel to do those. Like, Has she just been like sitting at home twiddling her thumb for 10 years? I think Gail should have become a private investigator. A hundred percent. And I also think the police force, especially Dewey, is just mean to Gail in this movie. Like she yes. like they won't let her help. They won't let her do anything. And it's like, dude, Gail has been a big part you know, of these murders in these past three movies. Like she's very an integral part of all of this. And I think it's wrong how, and I get Dewey's like, well, I'm sheriff now, but still like you can let her help as she should have been helped, like been helping from the jump. Yeah. Okay. I I just hate Deputy Judy, like sticking her nose in everybody's business and being a bitch to Gail all the time. I'm like, you're creepy sit down, go away, but please leave your lemon bars because I love lemon bars and I will eat them. Don't eat those. I wouldn't trust those lemon bars from Deputy Judy. There is something in there. She's trying to make Dewey fall in love with her. She's pulling Mm -hmm. some kind of like midsummer move where she's putting just like a little (laughs) 
period blood or something in there. Just some kind of love spell. I don't, no, no, no. Don't go anywhere near those. Don't trust Okay. Them. All right. All right. All right. Maybe I'll that's why Gail blood. says they taste like ass. Gail is not falling for the little bit of period blood in the lemon bar. Oh, God. <laughs> My favorite um, part of Midsummer. So glad to bring it up. <laughs> um, I just get like Michelle McNamara vibes from Gail um, and I don't know why she wouldn't have, like, a true crime blog or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're right. It doesn't – it, like – cops work with journalists all the time, usually more on cold cases where they, like, can use whatever help they'll get. Um, not so much on newer cases where they're trying to, like, preserve the evidence and what people know so that if somebody confesses, they can tell if it's a false confession or not or whatever. Um but definitely the gooey vibes in this movie were off. Like they're married and they've been married for 10 years. And obviously now they're, they haven't really been at odds, I guess is the implication because there hasn't been much for Gail to be reporting on. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the, the first time they're kind of butting heads in that way, I guess. But it almost felt like they were separated and the events of this movie brought them back together. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's what was, happening in Scream 3, so they wouldn't have repeated it, I guess. But that's how it felt. It almost felt like he's about to hook up with Sydney because he and Gail weren't working out and they were on the rocks. Well, in reality, like actual reality, not Scream reality, uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox were separated at the time of filming this movie. And apparently they were like chill on set and respectful but it was still a little tense so I can only imagine that like the real life chemistry that made them so believable before because they were literally screwing in the first three movies slash married (laughs) um but is now super awkward so that's funny that you say that because it's probably the reality playing out on screen (laughs) I cannot imagine having to make out like kiss and be in love with my separated husband (laughs) on for my job like that's oh god good job courtney cox i guess that showbiz baby yeah (laughs) but also this is now movie number three where we get palpable sexual tension between Uh sydney and dewey oh i I mean this time (laughs) (laughs) it's just like why There's just, there's a scene where he's, like, coming to talk to her at her aunt's house, and they're sitting on the couch, and they're just, like, gazing longingly at each other for a moment, and then he, like, reaches out and holds her hand. I, I almost was, like, I want them to be together. That's how convincing that moment was to me, and I just don't know if this is an energy that exists between these two characters, these two actors, and they're not trying to give it to us, but it just is so powerful. It cannot be contained. Or if like, I would be down for Dewey to have two wives and scream five. You know what I mean? Like if they went there, I'd be like, all right, I'm, it's been three movies and I'm on board now. You've convinced me. I don't hate this. Yeah. It was just, This time around, too, I really felt it from Sydney towards Dewey. Like, at the very, Mm -hmm. very end of that scene, Sydney just, like, 
like looks away, looks at him in this way that I was like, oh my God, like, should I take off my top? Like what's happening? And, <laughs> and immediately Dewey's like, yeah, I got to dip because this is getting too hot. <laughs> he literally is like, well, up, uh, got to go uh, do police stuff. Bye. <laughs> and I was like, please leave before this goes too far. <laughs> Dewey might be a lot of incompetent things, but he is not cheating on Gail. He is too afraid of Gail to cheat on her. Yes. Yes. But I feel like Gail will be okay with it. You know what I mean? Like Gail and Sydney, I don't think want to be with each other, but I do think if it was like a polyamory situation where Dewey just like has a wife and a girlfriend, she would be like, whatever. I don't want that much attention from Dale, from Dale. I don't want that much attention from Dewey all the time anyway. Like, I'm busy. I'm doing Gail stuff. I need my space. Leave me alone. Go be with your girlfriend. I could not disagree with you more. I feel like she'd go nuclear on him because she's well, got his temper. Well, it was Judy, sure. But for Sydney, I feel like I feel like it would be really bad with Sydney too because they'd known hmm. each other for so long. That makes it even worse. Yeah, That's Gail- what makes it okay for me, though. No, Gail is not letting anybody touch her man. Absolutely not. (laughs) She's very protective of that. I don't know. They end every movie, the three, this movie, it was literally like the three of them on the hospital floor. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like there was a vibe there. Maybe they'll explore it in Scream 5. Maybe you'll explore it in your fan fiction you write about Scream 4. (laughs) Look, I'm just saying if they won't, give Sydney a girlfriend and they've made it so unbelievably clear and rude that they're not going to do that. And they made her as straight as they possibly could. The straightest we've seen her in yeah. scream Four. I just feel like give, put her in the cube or whatever. You know what I mean? Like give us a love square and she can have a girlfriend, yeah. but Dewey can be her boyfriend and Dewey can have a wife and it's Gail. And like, we've moved past asking for her to just be gay. We're asking for them to all be in a gay polyamorous or cube relationship. Look, the times are changing, okay? Keep up. on Scream 5. We need this. This is what the people want. Okay, so we've talked about the, the recurring characters. Let's talk about some of these new characters that they've introduced in this movie. I, for one... At first, okay, first time I watched this, hated all of them so much except for Hayden Panettiere. But second watching, I like almost all of them. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I still hate Emma Roberts. And even though she did a really good job, God, <laughs> I don't like Emma Roberts acting in this movie, particularly. Um, she did, however, go on to be a little scream queen from this role where she was doing American Horror Story and an actual, the actual movie screen show, Scream Queens. So good for her. Um, I love all the other characters. I love them. Yeah, I think Emma Roberts, um, and I don't mean to speak to her character as a person because I don't know what she's like in real life, um, but she seems like, Maybe she's a brat, um, and that's why she's so good at playing bratty characters. And then when she tries to play a character who seems nice, I'm just like, go away, unfabulous. Like, we don't – I don't want that energy. You know what I mean? No, I right. totally agree. I, like, I wasn't buying her being innocent or nice. 
Yeah, I should yeah. have known from the get-go when I watched it first that she was the killer because it's just like, there's no way she's this meek little thing. She's always a little snit, and I can't deal with her. <laughs> Who? So obviously, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kirby. Queen Kirby is Queen Kirby. our favorite of the new uh, the Young Bloods. Kirby is amazing. Also, Hayden Panettiere looks beautiful with a pixie cut. Just saying. And also... Watching this, I was like, Hayden Kinganditeer is such a great actress. Like, her emotional scene at the end, like, she actually has got some chops there. And that is not only because I think The Heroes was the best show ever made before it got really, really <laughs> bad at the end. I am Listen, not biased. If you watched her Bring It On movie, you would have known she has the emotional range. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've seen it. She's got range, honey, and she's a gorgeous angel. Like, honestly, the only that was the only part I liked watching it the first time around. This is the only thing that stayed the same between my two watchings is my undying love for Kirby. Kirby is an icon, um, and I think what's so special about that is that Hayden Panettiere was already so recognizable, you know what I mean? And yet she just, like, she was... Kirby and she was so good at it whereas Jill was Emma Roberts the whole time you know what I mean she's still just like Emma Roberts on screen yes I I love we get some like really good moments from Kirby um when we first are introduced to them she says that Sydney's the reason she loves horror movies and honestly same (laughs) and then we also have her saying that her favorite scary movie is Bambi, which is just like Randy in Scream 2 saying that his favorite scary movie was Showgirls. And so that's a little throwback to Scream 2 for you, Chelsea Duff. Okay. Also, though, Bambi is really scary. The sad, scary (laughs) – that part's really frightening. I have not watched it since I watched it as a kid because it fucked me up. So agreed, Kirby. (laughs) But – um, we have multiple indicators in this movie to point out that Kirby is in fact gay. Finally. One, one she just flat out says how pretty Sydney is. Two. She's very horny for Sydney. Very horny for Sydney. Who can blame her? There's a scene where we're with Gail and Sydney and they're in Cinema Club, which is run by Charlie and Robbie, who are, you know, a part of the new wave of kids in Woodsboro. And they're explaining the rules of this new remake. And they specifically say the only way you can survive a modern horror movie is to be gay. And then it immediately cuts to Kirby. <laughs> Laying it on thick and I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to say it's not proof, but it's a it's a good indicator in her favor. Like, give us – I mean, she's not coming back for Scream 5, but she should – and she should be gay. Like, give it to – I want the canon. You know what I mean? I, I don't want these implications. I don't want things to be added in after the fact like they were with Billy in the first Scream. Like, give it to me in the movie because now I'm starting to get frustrated there's only one character throughout this whole franchise who says that they're gay and it's Robbie. And like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to believe him or not. 
because I didn't believe him the first time that we watched it. And then I a little bit did believe it this time, actually. Um, And I just am still confused. Like, I don't know if when he says I'm gay, if that helps, if he's just like trying to save his life or if he's just if if he is, you know what I mean? Um, he was trying to share his truth in his final moments, which is really sad if that's what it actually is. And I don't like that either. Well, no, but he's a horrible way to come out. Time. Yeah. He could have been out this whole time. We don't know. It doesn't come up. Although I he have, does say that Olivia will never date him now. So, hmm. I have a question for you two. Since y'all were in high school in 2011, mm-hmm. were people just live streaming their high school experience <laughs> no well now you wonder that wasn't something that i would have thought of but now there's facebook live there's twitch um are they doing it now the youth let us know i'm <laughs> i'm genuinely interested there were there are vlogs, but it wasn't. We weren't all the way there yet. We weren't doing live streaming. I remember at I, our high school there was like a Gossip Girl style vlog uh, <laughs> about mm-hmm. all the drama in our grade, but no video content. Thank God. But, <laughs> but again, now though, Olivia Jade, Lori Laughlin's daughter, college admission scandal. Olivia Jade. Um, sh- she's a vlogger, and a lot of her vlogs. From high school, we're still about like what I wear to school on a normal day, like makeup for school, blah blah blah. And she would have like vlogs of her like being at school and stuff. Again, just proof that Wes Craven so ahead of his time. He saw the future. He did. He truly was, and I think that's maybe why people watching Scream Four nine years later can appreciate it more than when it came out in 2011. I just want to say that when you said it's been nine years since this came out, my heart stopped for a second and I <laughs> died and I came back to life because that's horrifying that we graduated from high school nine years ago. And I'm going to just take a moment of silence for myself. Please do other things while I do deal with this news. <laughs> um, oh God. I know. The first time... That we watched this together. I was very like, Kirby is gay. Charlie is gay. Robbie, not gay. And I feel like I've changed course a little bit. Because now I would like to present my theory that Charlie is asexual. Um, And I feel like he's falling into romances because he thinks he's supposed to. Like, he's picked Kirby because she really shares his interest and his love of films. But he's not actually into her. Which is why he never does anything about it at any point. Um, and then he picks Jill because she notices him and he wants to be noticed. But I feel like if, if given a little more time, he would not be um, willing to kill because somebody didn't want to fuck him. You know what I mean? He'd be like, actually, that's preferred. I want nobody to fuck me, please. And thank you. <laughs> I just want to be left alone with my horror movies. Good day. I did not get. Any gay vibes from Charlie whatsoever. I just got, like, wannabe stew vibes from Charlie. But I guess that innately means gay vibes. But I just, he didn't have chemistry. So, well, I guess him and and Robbie were super close friends. Okay. I didn't didn't feel it. I don't know. Maybe my dar's off these days. I'm sorry. 
That's what I'm saying, though, is no romance vibes anywhere. Um, Not to get into Uh, asexual, aromantic discourse, because that's a different podcast. And whoever wants to learn about those things, I encourage you to Google. Um, But that's just like I started to maybe feel that way about Charlie. um, Because once I was really paying attention, I was like, so tired, I think, from watching Scream 3 the first time we watched. And I feel like I missed a lot. But now that I um, was fresh as a daisy in the morning <laughs> watching this movie, I was like, okay. I, I was really upset at first that everybody was paying dust to Gail. And that they gave no shits that she wrote the books, um, the Woodsboro Murders, and also presumably more books about Scream 2 and Scream 3. And that the cinema club was just like, who gives a fuck? When it's like... Okay, she was also there. She also survived all of these killings, and she interviewed everybody, and she wrote books about them, and the books were what were adapted into the stab movies. Like, you don't care that Gail is there? It that didn't make sense to me. It didn't make any but sense. looking back, Robbie does care. Robbie seems a little bit obsessed with Gail um, in a very fun way, where he does call her, like, his queen at some point or something like that, and Charlie is the one who keeps, like, shutting Gail down, and so I was like, okay, that actually vibes with the end of this movie, um, where Charlie is trying to be, like, we're elevating Jill to the new celebrity status, which means we have to shut down all of these previous things. It doesn't explain why Charlie is so invested in getting Sydney to come to the cinema club meeting. Cause I was like, isn't this going to piss Jill off? Um, but I think Charlie wanted Sydney there. So she, so Sydney can know the new rules of mm. this horror movie to let her, to like, let her know you're in a new movie, bitch. Like, this is oh, not your yeah. movies. This is a whole new thing. I totally agree. And I think it adds to, like, the psychological torture of Sydney, which is always the goal, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Give the girl a break. My God. <sighs> What's y'all's favorite death scene in this movie? Because there is... This is the movie with the most deaths in it. There's... So much blood this time around, especially compared to Scream 3. Uh, I do feel like all of the blood that they um, whipped up for Scream 3 and then didn't end up using, they just used in the first 10 minutes of Scream 4. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Seriously. I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite death, but it has to be mentioned. Olivia's death is just a gory, oh my God. It's brutal. I rewatching it. I think I had my eyes closed the first time because they're the, they painted her room red with blood. Like it's a whole paint. It's job. everywhere, and everywhere. you see her intestines briefly she disemboweled. Oh mm. God! But also, the cops are so useless. They're nowhere to be found when Olivia is getting murdered, and Sydney just runs into the house. What a badass! She's such a badass. Ugh, yeah, and also hate the cops because, what was it, uh, Anthony, that cop, he freaking makes some creepy comment about Olivia. I'm like, you are a grown man, and Olivia is a child. Can you maybe not talk about how she's hot? Like, okay, I'm creeped out by you, goodbye. Just, like, sexualizing a high school student, and then that high school student dies on their watch while they're supposed to be sitting outside keeping an eye on things. And then the rest of the movie, they're still like, ha-ha, Bruce Willis, like, shut up. They were the worst. A-cab, always. 
They were the worst. My favorite death is when both of them die. <laughs> I also just love the like banter right before they die where they're like, oh, don't say I'll be right back, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they just get murked so quickly. Um, it, it's shocking how how fast uh, Adam Brody is. What's his name? Is it Adam Brody? Yeah, Adam Brody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seth Cohen. I keep almost saying Adrian Brody. Is that a person? It's a different actor. Oh, okay. It is a different person. Okay, okay, okay. I was like, where am I coming up with this? Okay, Adam Brody. Uh, I love that he just goes down from one stab in the back. I'm like, all right, you're weak as hell. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they got along, you know? Like, maybe he just wheezed right out and he couldn't get enough oxygen to make any sounds. And that's why he just, he just crumpled down. He just hits the floor. Like a little tissue. Yeah, and you know, the the stab directly to the forehead, head on stab directly in the forehead. <laughs> How is he able to walk and also mutter the iconic last words of "fuck you, Bruce Willis"? But how, like, if you get well, stabbed in the middle of the forehead, wouldn't you just be like? All motor functions. Remember, no, that's in the back of the head. What's that? What the brainstem controls your motor functions, doesn't it? So he got stabbed in the. Is it the cerebral cortex? Who knows? I haven't taken science your, in a long time. It's your frontal lobe. Your frontal lobe. But well, remember, he, we talked about this with Scream Two, where you the brain can withstand a lot of injuries that are surprising, like. Is his? I don't. I tried to reference him in Scream Two, and then I was like, "Am I smart enough to say his name? I'm going to risk it." No, I'm not. I changed my mind. Um, but there was some guy we studied in class who had like a whole pipe go through his head and he survived and then he had personality changes. And IMDb trivia says that this was inspired by like a real guy who got stabbed in the head and drove himself to the hospital afterwards. Wow. If you are a neuroscientist listening to this po- podcast, please inform us on brain injury. Yeah, um, please send an email to SpookyTuesdayPod at gmail.com oh with your answer. I should have said it because it is Phineas Gage and I knew it. And then I was like, but that's going to be somebody random that's not going to have anything to do with this. But I am the smartest girl in the world. Believe in yourself, Chelsea Duff. Oh, I, thank you. I did love, though, because he gets stabbed in the, the head and he still can, like, walk, kind of. Also, the amount of blood that gushes out of his head was alarming very alarming very good um but i love that like okay this sounds fucked up but he like goes blind from it i don't know if it's the blood in his eyes but he's trying to like fight fight Ghostface, and he's like he's like where are you and he's like punching his arms around and then you know that's pointless (laughs) because he's 20 like (laughs) 10 feet away from Ghostface at that point and he just goes down but you know he put up a good fight um not really and uh (laughs) He sucked in any way, so good riddance. I want to talk about Allison Bree's death because that's my favorite death. It was a really, really good one, even though she's so annoying and her outfit was so heinous. But so I, her death to me was so satisfying because I hated her character in this movie. But two, she dies in a parking lot and parking lots scare the shit out of me yes very scary (laughs) when when i worked at the radio station if i didn't park in my normal spot that i parked in every single day and i had to go to a different spot 
I would almost have a panic attack because I thought I'd be lost or somebody would murder me. (laughs) And so for her to die in a parking lot just really brought up some deep, deep personal fears. (laughs) And also, her death was very sensual. So sensual. I feel like Charlie is a very horny killer, which I guess now contradicts my asexual narrative. He's just yeah. horny for murder. <laughs> he is horny That's for murder. True. He, he sure goes is. over, he stabs her right in the tummy. Everybody in the tummy this movie. That's like the most painful one, I think. I don't know. But, but she goes, ah, ah, and then <laughs> And their faces are like cheek to yeah. cheek. And she <laughs> makes this expression like, like maybe she's having a good time <laughs> that she's in raptures of something <laughs> and their faces are close together. And I was like, kiss, but also that's not, <laughs> that's, I was like, no, Monica, it's not the time. <laughs> but then after she dies, we get cut to uh, Sheriff Dewey holding a press conference outside of the hospital. And you know, he's saying, we have this all under wraps. And then the body just drops from the sky onto the news van. And then we get Gail being so sassy and being like, oh, I thought you had this all under control, Sheriff. Just Ooh, like that to me, that's breakup vibes. Exactly. Like, well, she has every right to be mad because he is not including her in this and she is trying to freaking solve shit. And he's like, I've got it under control. I'm sheriff. And she's like, actually, a body just flew from the sky and hit (laughs) your news van during your press conference. So I think maybe you don't have it under control, sweetie. Jeff, what's your favorite death? (laughs) You know, um... It's hard it's hard to say because when I was watching earlier I remember having a thought that I was like, "Oh, I think this one's my favorite." And now I don't remember what it was about, so clearly it didn't strike me very strongly. Um, I think if I have to pick an actual favorite death, then probably Robbie because I love the moment of him having the camera on his head backwards and then slowly realizing that and fixing it and only then when he looks down at his phone he sees the killers right in front of him I think that's well done mm-hmm. I think I, that's I, fun I love that you you feel like the killer's gonna come from behind him because he has the camera backwards mm-hmm. and then he flips it around and he just comes right at his face and he still only figures it out through his video camera I thought that was brilliant shows how totally. drunk he was <laughs> um but I also loved and this is controversial a little bit um but whether or not Kirby died is up for discussion because they left it open-ended they didn't confirm if she lives or dies in this movie there were plans um back when Scream 3 or back when Scream 5 was going to come out right afterwards and be a totally different movie there were plans to bring Hayden Panettiere back and reveal that she lived but it's not confirmed in this movie so maybe it's a death maybe it's not a death but I love that scene because she's trying so hard to save Charlie like I okay she's doing everything right he shows up at the door with his bloody hands looking suspicious as hell and she's like no I'm not letting you in I tried to kiss you five minutes ago but I don't really like you and I didn't know you that well before this so like I'm not risking my life and Sydney's life for you um and then the second that she thinks 
she was wrong about him. She does absolutely everything she can to save him. Um, And then she goes out and she's like, I won. I beat him. And then he just stabs her. And just more Charlie misogyny at play. That was the most shocking part of this movie for me. Like, we should have known something was up with Charlie when Ghostface didn't immediately kill him because Mm -hmm. he was so gung-ho on just killing everybody right away. Mm -hmm. So for him to just tie Charlie up, red flag, huge red flag. Even I noticed this red flag. They would have had (laughs) to do that in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like if this is the Steve homage with Casey Becker's boyfriend, like you can't have it in the third act. What are they doing? They're skewing the timeline. Yeah, but... I kind of assumed it would be Charlie, you know, like, I don't know. I got Charlie being the killer vibes. I felt like there were a lot of hints that Kirby was going to be the killer. Yeah, because she, like, didn't get the call, and she was on the phone with the Olivia death, and, uh, yeah, I was like, I don't want it to be her because I want her to be good and pure, but also that'd be sick. (laughs) (sighs) Kirby's death, or not death, Kirby's stabbing shocked me with Charlie. Just that wasn't how I expected it to go. And Charlie's line when he's like, this is making a move or whatever he says, really, really good. I liked that a lot. (laughs) Such a high school boy thing to say, too. Totally. But also I loved that whole scene where they um, did their little kiss and they almost hooked up because I thought Kirby was just so excellent in it. Like, Kirby, um, I think we can officially give Kirby the Bicon title as well. Mm. Um, And I, and yeah, and she was just like having fun. She's just like so bored. And then she's like, why haven't I considered this? Like, why have I been shutting this down? I'm bored. There's murders happening. I'm a little drunk. We're watching this stab flick. Like, I'm going to do a kiss. I'm going to see how this goes. Um, And then her face when Trevor comes in and cock blocks, just like iconic to me. So good. So good. uh, Apparently everybody in this movie is just horny for murder. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. They sure are. I don't even blame Kirby because – the first time I watched this movie on Monday, when I was having a bad day, I was like, that Charlie guy's not cute at all. What the hell is Kirby thinking? And then watching it again, I was like, he's kind of cute. I'm kind of into his weird, creepy vibe, and uh, I ship it. But I think Rory Culkin is cute. I don't think Charlie is cute. But again, his hair is straight out of 2007. Like, that's a hairstyle that would have been, like, very hot to us if we were in eighth or ninth grade at the time you know what I mean like I feel like it was out by the time we were seniors uh I I love I have a long hair thing still to this day I've been really enjoying quarantine because my boyfriend hasn't been able to get a haircut in how many months now eight (laughs) and things are going really great it's wonderful (laughs) great but the the final scene in this movie there are so many like very subtle similarities between this and the final scene in the first scream. Um, Are you talking about at the hospital or when they're still at the house? When they're still at the house. Okay. Because um, the hospital, this is, I'll explain that later. Um, But so we have 
Trevor, who we haven't really talked about much because he's just kind of useless. Trevor is Jill's ex-boyfriend who cheated on her, basically. Oh, I have a lot to say about Trevor, but I'm saving it. I hate him. <laughs> but Jill so- and Charlie lock Trevor up in a closet and he's dressed just like Sydney's dad in the first one. And he was also trapped in the closet just like Sydney's dad in the first one. Jill duct taped just like Neil Prescott. Yes, but mm-hmm. Jill is dressed just like Billy when he first gets to the house where he's in the flannel and the shirt and the jacket. Jill is Is that why it was so ugly? Yeah. I hated that outfit so much and it really oh, it distracted terrible. me. Um yeah, but Jill's dressed just like Billy. Charlie is in the same color scheme as Stu was for the first movie. And the killing patterns in the scenes are the exact same as the first one. Jill stabs Stu, like Billy stabbed Stu, and then, you know, he dies. Yeah. I love that they gave a shout out to Stu um, right as he's getting killed. Uh, Which is so dumb. Like, how did he not (laughs) tell on himself with that? You know what I mean? Like, he thought he was the Randy, and Randy was finally going to get the girl. And then he's like, let's stab each other just like Billy and Stu. And it's like, do you not remember how that worked out for Billy and Stu? (laughs) Yeah. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Oh, and he's trying to pump himself up. And he's like, I can do this. And then she just goes right in the heart. He's like, the heart? That's not how we rehearsed it. And it's just like... Get over it, Charlie. Like, you little drama queen, you little bitch. He stabbed her. She stabbed him in the literal and metaphorical heart in that moment. And it was beautiful. Bye, Charlie. Monica, what are your thoughts on Trevor? Because Trevor plays a big part in the final scene. Because they're trying to frame all of these murders on Trevor. I have a lot to say about Trevor, but I'm going to give him an award later. So I'm going to wait until that moment. (laughs) I smell a nomination coming. Um, I will say, when we first watched this movie, I was like, okay, Jill shooting Trevor in the dick is so stupid. Because it's going to immediately be clear that Jill was the one behind this. And Jill is so dumb. Um, But on a second watch, she does kind of throw the gun charlie's way and so maybe it seems she was gonna frame it like charlie shot trevor in the dick not like she did it in Mm -hmm. self-defense but that charlie was like you got the girl that i wanted um and say goodbye to your dick yeah and so i was like okay maybe this is maybe there's something here um again i'm kind of making some leaps maybe on my own but i think that that is I don't think I'm, like, filling in the gap so much as they expected me to to do that work. I will say something that I really didn't like about the final scene is that Sydney doesn't really do anything for most of it. Like, yes, she's already been stabbed by the door before Jill stabs her again, and she's, like, holding her wound. But Sydney, at every opportunity, has always fought back. Um... And, like, she goes to crazy lengths to do it and to escape most of the time. Like, if there's one thing Sydney's going to do in a Scream movie, it's fall off a building. You know what I mean? She does it. Scream. Scream 2. Scream. Actually, I don't remember if she does it in Scream 2, but she definitely does it in Scream 3 and Scream 4. You know what I mean? Like, and then 
is it just because like Jill is her baby cousin and she is powerless against her baby cousin? Like she has no issue shooting her half brother in the head in Scream 3. She has no issue shooting her boyfriend and thinking that he's a killer in the first Scream. I just felt like for plot reasons, Sydney just stood there quietly and then like fell on the ground. You know what I mean? I felt, it felt so strange that she just didn't do anything that I almost thought she was playing dead at first. But then when they bring her to the hospital, she's like actually in the ICU and they're like, we don't know if she's going to make it. Yeah. That just didn't seem in character. I'm like, where's the chutzpah? I mean, maybe she's just tired after (laughs) four movies of everyone trying to kill her, um, which, you know, I would get, and she's at the tail end of a book tour. Those can be grueling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So maybe she's just sleepy, but it just didn't seem like Sydney, you know, especially even Sydney from earlier in the movie when she's kicking Mm -hmm. down doors and like, like, she like hiding a battle royale. Yeah. Her foot went so high. And now you're telling me she's just like, chill. And she just like is a little flower that falls to the ground. Mm-mm. It's very out of character for Sydney. But I know this scene was supposed to be the original ending of this movie. And that there was supposed to be a cliffhanger to lead to these uh, fifth and sixth movies. Where, uh-huh. you know, Jill has killed Sydney. She's killed everybody else. She has all of these wounds. And she's being led out to the ambulance. And all the media is there. And all of a sudden you hear an EMT yell, we have another survivor. And that's where the movie was supposed to end. Wait, but if Kirby was going to be the survivor, then does that mean that Sydney was really supposed to die? No, I think it was supposed to be... It was supposed to be left ambiguous to because we at this point we think Kirby is dead. You know what I mean? So we yeah. could have. Um, I think everybody was to assume that it was Sydney being the survivor. <gasps> I'm glad they didn't do so big of a cliffhanger because I would have ripped all of my hair out. Especially because the they didn't end up giving us the rest of a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, they probably wrote it like that and then they like did some like testing with audiences to see how much they were going to care about this movie and they cared less than they know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, at the end of this scene in the house before we get to the banger of a hospital scene at the end. Um, I loved Emma Roberts beating herself up. I hated I really, it. I liked it. Oh I, my God. I loved it. When she threw herself on the table, I was like, wow, she's really committing to it. Maybe it's just because the part where she grabs Trevor's hand and yanks out a hunk of her hair with his hand makes me want to gag. And that's why Mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot bear to watch this scene. But I absolutely did not enjoy it. I can see that. That part was horrible. When she, like, used his fingernails to rip her face, I thought that was one brilliant um, too hard to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, how did she get that much of her hair out? That was just hate it. Was it. A big chunk. Don't no, like thank it. Thank you. <laughs> so the final final scene of this movie is they're all in the hospital. Jill, uh, they brought Sydney in, as Chelsea said, because she's barely gonna make it. What were y'all's thoughts on this one? I loved at the beginning of this scene 
um, how Jill is just like so obviously fishing for information. And in my opinion, doing a terrible job of seeing seeming innocent. Like she has way too many like pointed questions right at the beginning. If she's supposed to be just waking up from like, you know, getting smashed into a glass coffee table and stabbing herself in the shoulder. Like, but do we, you know, lucky, luckily it's Sheriff Dewdrop asking these questions and answering them for her. So he never would have noticed. Honestly, that is another point in Gail's favor. Cause it's only when he goes and tells Gail that Gail is like, how does she know that I got stabbed in the shoulder? Like Dewey doesn't even put it together at all. It's only Gail who does it solving the case once again, proving uh-huh. that Dewey should always listen to her. Uh-huh. Also, can I just say that before I watched Scream 4, I swear to God one of you two told me Gail dies in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Or it was in Spooky Crew in our group chat because we were like, oh, they confirmed that uh, Courtney Cox is coming back for Scream 5. And they were like, even though what happened in the fourth movie, and I was like, Gail dies? No. And so I was like preparing myself for that, this entire movie, and then it didn't happen. And I was like, well, thank God. But also, I just gave myself a hernia for no reason. (laughs) It is a close call, though, because Jill has her at gunpoint for like a long time. And I don't know why Jill's not pulling the trigger at any point. That felt out of character and made me mad. Um, Like, I think... Jill does a lot of things wrong, but one thing Mm -hmm. that she does consistently is be bloodthirsty and ruthless and not give a fuck. And the fact that she allowed herself to be stalled for so long felt really out of character to me. So I didn't like that, but I did like that she was wearing Uggs with her hospital gown and, and beating Dewey with a bedpan. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was a little iconic. A very 2011 moment. And also, the of all things to beat the hell out of Dewey with, a bedpan just seems right. <laughs> so, Courtney Cox, Gail, is stalling kind of Jill. Because, and then we see uh, Sydney just go whop uh, with some heart defibrillator pads. <laughs> 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 yeah, some... Defibrillator pad. I'm great with the sound effect, guys. It's fine. You did great. Thank you. And then Sydney comes in with her wop and just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I, I do have to say, though, the defibrillator for. The ending was really beautiful. Like, that's an iconic last word. And I love... Oh, uh, another thing I loved is that Emma Roberts' eye is so fucking busted in the final scene. She, mm-hmm. like, burst a blood vessel and she looks truly unhinged. So that wasn't acting. That was makeup. And great job to the makeup artist. Okay. One thing that pissed me off about... Another thing, I guess. Another thing that pissed me off about this scene, other than Deputy Judy, who I just don't like and I don't care for, and she... Every scene she's in um, rubs me the wrong way. Sorry, Deputy Agreed. Judy. I mean, I like her, the actress, and other things, but it just, it the vibe was off for me this time. But, okay, in every Scream movie up until this point, the headshot for the killer has been so strongly emphasized. Like, she shoots Billy in the head, 
in the first scream after he's had like a couple false deaths she shoots mrs loomis in the head in the second scream after a couple false deaths in scream three they're like shooting roman and she's already stabbed him and they thought he died and then he gets back up and then she's like do we shoot him in the head like get him in the head and then in this movie no headshot and it feels weird that they didn't do it you know what i mean like i get confirmed nobody's wearing a bulletproof vest under their hospital gown this time but (laughs) it it i don't know it felt like a purposeful exclusion you know what i mean like I read somewhere that just kind of like how Kirby's death wasn't confirmed, Jill's death also wasn't confirmed because she didn't get a headshot. And I think if they were doing uh, Scream 5 and 6, how they originally planned, I think they were going to bring both of them back. Oh, just let her die. (laughs) I hope that's true and that that was the plan. Not that I hope that she comes back because I hope she is dead. Um, because I didn't like the character that much or the the performance particularly. Like, it was fine, but whatever. Um, but it just, I don't know. It felt really weird and, like, it was, I, I again, I hope the plan was to bring her back because otherwise it's so dumb and stupid and makes me mad. I'm just glad she's gone. I hope she's gone. I will say, though, for that final scene... I really loved uh, what they did with the reporters um, as they all were like singing Jill's praises, saying she's like an American hero and all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just panned back to her freaking dead face in the hospital. And I was like, that's what you get. That's what you get when you're a brat, a murderous brat. (laughs) Okay. So it's everybody's favorite time for the podcast. Who gets your dumb bitch award? Chelsea. Actually, I think we should go to Monica first because I want to hear what she has to say about Trevor. Okay, so it's definitely Trevor just because I freaking can't stand him. He is such a creep. He is so terrible the entire freaking movie. Like, at the beginning when he breaks into Jill's fucking house while it's being watched by the police and she she's like there's police everywhere someone's gonna see you and he's like they're no match for the ninja (laughs) Um, what could you please never speak again like if my like significant other or ex even refer to themselves as a ninja like trying to be sexy no absolutely not panned (laughs) actually i wrote no match for the ninja baby in my iconic quotes section of my notes so i i I liked it i thought it was funny it was an iconic quote but it's iconic how fucking gross he is i hate him also he just can't get a hint the fact that he's like calling all of jill's friends we know i hate jill but the fact he's calling kirby he's calling olivia being like help me get back with her blah 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 like Please, you're desperate, and it's sad. Um, also, just a side note, I, there are multiple points throughout the movie where Jill is like, you think your boyfriend is bad? Uh, have you met Trevor? I'm like, Jill, Sydney's boyfriend killed her mom and killed all of her friends and then tried to kill her. And No, then had sex with her and then tried to kill her right after. Like, that's way worse than Trevor, who calls himself a ninja, like, and cheated on you, but also maybe just dumped you and got with, with was it Marnie or Jenny? Jenny, I think. That's why she Jenny. had the worst death. Yeah. 
So okay, oh. but the Billy, um, the quote from Jill is he fucks you, dumps you, and doesn't even make you famous. Like, you know, if if Billy is he fucks you, dumps you, tries to kill you, but doesn't make you famous. Like, is that a point made? <laughs> It's a great quote. I'll give her that. It's a great quote, but also, like, we knew she's a psychopath already, but damn, is she a psychopath. (laughs) I will Um, say, um, Nico Tortorella is so hot in other things, including Younger, where he's, like, very tasty, and he is, somehow, they made him not hot in this movie, so I will say that's an accomplishment. Like, they've made Trevor gross. I think it's because his name is Trevor. Trevor It doesn't help. No, we don't trust Trevor's, unfortunately, unless you're a listener named Trevor, in which case we love you and you're great. Thank you. If you're a pet frog or toad, some kind of pet amphibian from the Harry Potter series, then you're cool. You're good then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's only those two exceptions, though. (laughs) But he's just such a fucking idiot the whole time. He's so annoying. And like, even though like the things that he did were not should not be punishable by death. I was very happy when he got his dick shut off, shot off and then immediately <laughs> shot in the head. Um, so he's a dumb bitch for even liking Jill. Like he should have noticed that she was a socio slash psychopath from the get go and steered clear. So my dumb bitch award goes to Trevor. You fucking idiot. Okay. Um, I will say I'd like to do an honorary dumb bitch award to every youth in Woodsboro for participating in this stabathon. Um, absolutely <laughs> poor taste. Like, is it iconic? Truly. Yes. Do we want to do our own? Yes. yes. Would I love to do it with the Final Destination movie specifically? Of course. And is there a real life thing like this that I know Sydney is obsessed with in Texarkana? Um, what movie is that? Uh, the Town That Dreaded Sundown. Right. Okay. So that's like a real life thing, but that movie came out like 30 years at least after the murders. The murders happened in the 40s. The movies came out in the 70s. And then in 2003 was when they started showing uh, the movie in the park where all the murders took place. Okay. Yeah. So like presumably anybody connected to the murders has either moved on or moved away at this point. Um, not so much in Woodsboro. It's been 13 years. You know what I mean? Like, n- it's way too soon. Literally, Dewey still lives there and is the sheriff. Gail still lives there. Maureen Prescott clearly still has family there. Everybody who is making light of these murders that, like, are still relatively recent, dumb bitch. But ultimately, I have to give my real dumb bitch nomination to Jill herself. Because I just think sloppy does so much wrong, <laughs> like not well thought out. Um, first of all, how is she going to explain that she – she okay. She says – Trevor shows up at Kirby's house and says that Jill texted him. And then Jill's like, <gasps> me? Text Trevor? I would never. He must have faked it. And then she goes to find her phone. And then she's like, there's no text here. But it's like obviously we can't believe Jill. She must have actually – texted him to come over um so how is she going to explain that also she goes to strangle sydney in the hospital like you're not going to get away with that that's going to be pretty blatant um she's like smiling when they're wheeling her out from the house on the stretcher as they're taking photos of her like 
going to tell on herself with that. Immediately in the hospital, she's like, me and Gail have matching wounds. How is she supposed to know that? Just like she is maybe they're hailing her as a hero right away. I don't know why they're doing that because there's nothing to suggest that that is the case at that moment. You know what I mean? Other than people are dead and she's not. Um, But I just think like, okay, there is this woman named Diane Downs who is like a big true crime case. If you're familiar with her, she murdered her kids and then like said her kids were kidnapped and murdered. Um, But she kept like smiling in interviews. And so people were like, what the fuck is going on with her? And that's Jill on the stretcher. Like Jill at every moment is giving herself away. Like, how is she going to explain the duct tape residue on Trevor's clothing? Like she just is, this is such a dumb bitch plan. Like not enough effort put into this plan. I feel like Jill put in so much effort, but she's just not smart enough to pull it off. Dumb bitch. Also her reasonings for these murders of just wanting to be famous because of the okay are dumb but there is one line where let me find it um she's like what am i supposed to do go to college grad school work and i was like all right (laughs) fair (laughs) okay she's like she's like i don't need friends i need fans and i was like relatable I mean, coming from three girls who started a podcast, like, am I going to pretend I don't get it, you know? (laughs) I don't care who I lose on my way to the top of the podcasting world. (laughs) (laughs) It's cutthroat. I'm kidding. No, she's not. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to give my dumb bitch award to Charlie. For the exact same fucking reason that I gave it to Stu. Really? You thought Emma Roberts was going to let you live during all of this? No! Mm. Like, you you and Emma Roberts, Jill, are not going to just end up fucking and being like, we survived. It doesn't work that way, sweetie. No. I just feel like, okay, I know you didn't love that Roman was the only killer in Scream 3, but can Charlie not look at history? Can he not look at the past and be like, every time there's two killers, one of them gets betrayed? Like, please pay attention. I mean, take notes. He probably doesn't know what happened in Scream 4, right? Like, he was probably too young to know. Scream 2, you mean? Yes, Scream 2. Okay. He was probably too young to know what happened in Scream 2. No, he's freaking obsessed with all the Stab movies and knows everything about all yeah, of them. But, so he should freaking but know. is Stab 2 based off Scream 2? We don't know. I think so. They haven't yeah. confirmed it. I would love to see it. I want to know how many movies Tori Spelling returned for. Um, obviously, she wasn't in the original Stab 3. But once the next Stab 3 was presumably based on history... Was she like, okay, I'll reprise my role. Give me literally every single Stab movie. I want to see them. So we can have our Um, own Stabathon. I really want to. I want to play that Stabathon drinking game so bad. But just, Charlie, the fuck? That's pretty dumb. Even though I just made a brilliant case for Charlie. (laughs) um, (laughs) If I do say so myself. Jill is the biggest dum-dumb. In this movie. I convinced you. My case won. Yeah. Yes. She just, it's, it was always Jill. It, it was, was always, always Jill. Jill. She just 
fucks it up at every turn. You know what I mean? Like, could you have done a worse job than Jill? No, you couldn't. (laughs) I do have, okay, this is an opening for me to talk about my fan fiction moment, though. Um, Originally, when I didn't like the movie, I had a lot of critiques about what I would fix. Um, And I will still present those really quickly. But now I have an an alternate take um, upon my rewatch. Which is that there's, like, one line from Jill's mom, who really doesn't get anything to do in this movie. We get so little from her. But there's one moment when she's in the kitchen with Jill and with Kirby. And they're saying, Kirby says something about, like, how Sydney must be covered in scars. And Jill's mom is like, I have scars, too. Nobody asked me about my scars. Um, And she's, like, talking about her sister also. I don't know. It was a weird moment. Um, and it made me feel like, okay, either they need to decide when they move to Woodsboro or if they've lived there the whole time, because if they've lived there the whole time is a different narrative. But if you make Jill Sydney's cousin on her dad's side, that gives just Jill the motivations to be like, I want to be famous and I have no emotional connection to Maureen Prescott and I'm going to put my cousin down so that I can be the famous one. But if you read into that line and you're like, Kate, Jill's mom, also wanted to be famous and they moved to Woodsboro so that she could be the sister of someone who was murdered in like this horrible massacre and she moved there so that everyone would be like, that's Maureen Prescott's sister. Like, that's Sydney's aunt. Now I'm like, okay, is that where Jill gets it from? Mm, Valid point. I like that. That's all I have. That's my whole fan fiction moment. Other than I think it would have been very compelling for Jill to frame Sydney for the murders because like if she's trying to steal Sydney's spot, I think it makes a lot of sense to be like not only do you not get to be the celebrity victim anymore, but I'm actually going to tarnish your whole reputation by making you a psycho killer who snapped when you returned to Woodsboro and were triggered by all of your past trauma. And you killed all of my friends because you were trying to protect me. But in trying to protect my friends, I stood up against you and I accidentally killed you. But it was in self-defense, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know that's kind of what Roman planned for Scream 3. But there are so many things that they repeated from the past Screams that I think that would have been a fine homage. Like, literally at one point... Charlie and Robbie are like, you have to up the ante by filming the kills. This is totally new. And it's like, okay, but they filmed the kills in Scream 2 also. They just didn't put them on on the internet because the internet wasn't so much of a thing yet. Um, But I think it would have been great if Jill's plan had been like to destroy Sydney entirely in that way. That's just my fan fiction moment. I would have been into that. I could have believed that too. Yeah, definitely. Okay, is it time? Is it time for our knives out of five? Because yeah, I'm very interested in knowing what you two give it now that you've rewatched it and think mm-hmm. uh, better of this movie as a whole. I you should go first though because you're the OG lover. I'm giving it four and a half out of five. I I really oh. I really like this movie. I, I've seen it four times during quarantine so far. And so I find myself rewatching it a lot, which I do with the first screen movie. I watch that movie at least once a month. And so I've found myself also watching this movie as well. Okay. Chef, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I gave Scream five snives, and I gave Scream two three, and I gave Scream three six knives. Um, it's hard to say if I liked this one better than Scream two. I think I did, but not significantly. Um, so I'm gonna break into your your fancy point system, and I'm gonna give this like a three point three five. Maybe, um, because I liked it and I think it's good, but I didn't love it. Like it was a lot more fun. Um, but if Scream Two got a three from me, I don't want to go like so much higher because I also did like Scream Two as a sequel a lot. If this had been okay, if this the movie title had been Scream Louder or whatever, I think you would push me into three point five and higher territory. Um, but with this as a scream four and and not ending up as part of an existing trilogy, that brings my rating down a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't believe how much of a 180 my brain has done on this movie. Because when I told you earlier that I freaking hated, 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 loathed this said movie the first so time. So many terrible things. Yeah. I said terrible things. There are things that I have said that are recorded that are horrible that will never see the light of day now. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's all about perspective, baby. And this morning I was in a much better mood. So instead of giving this a one as I previously gave it, I think I'm going to give it almost the exact same rating as as Chuff here. I'm going to give it like a 3.2 something because like, it is rewatchable, like you said, Sydney. I didn't expect it to be, but I loved it so much more this time around. And it just really needs distance from, from the original trilogy. Like, it shouldn't be jam-packed into it. If we ever do our own Stabathon, we'll have to do the dinner break or something between Scream 3 and <laughs> Scream 4, just so everyone won't go insane. Um, but yeah, I mean... This was Wes Craven's last film, and I shat on that last time we talked about this pretty hard, and it was super disrespectful. And so, Wes, I am so sorry. It actually was pretty damn good, and thank you for your service to the horror genre. I am so sorry. I am preferring your debt. Um, okay, I know that we are going a little longer already than we usually do, but I do want to take like a uh, two minutes, three minutes to talk about Scream 5, um, just because we're saying goodbye to the Scream franchise now, but Scream is not saying goodbye to us. Um, it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later, Chelsea. Yes, and they're filming now. We've got Nev Campbell returning, Dewey and Gail are coming back. Unfortunately, Deputy Judy apparently is also coming back, which, all right. Oh. Um, but they've got some interesting little people in it. The directors are the people who did Ready or Not, and I loved Ready or Not, so Ooh. that makes me really hopeful that this is going to be a good movie. We should definitely do that on the pod. Oh, for sure. But Jenna Ortega is going to be in it. I think she is adorable. Um, I think she's really sweet. I liked her in You a lot. She um, killed it in that one. Yeah, Dylan Minnette is going to be in it. I didn't like – I mean, he's not bad in 13 Reasons Why. 13 Reasons Why is just bad. Um, mm -hmm. But we love his band, so that makes up for it. 
Yeah, he seems like a charming young man. I root for him. Um, <laughs> Mikey Madison is going to be in it. She's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I didn't see yet, but I have watched a lot of better things, and I like her in it. Jack Quaid is going to be in this movie. I haven't watched The Boys yet, but I need to get around to it. Oh, y'all, The Boys is like one of the best shows on on television. It's not on television. Streaming as of right now. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Gallner is going to be in this movie. Don't know if I said his name right, but Beaver from Veronica Mars. Love Veronica Mars. So he, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of promise here. Yeah, I don't want to get too hyped too early, so I have another Scream 4 type reaction, <laughs> but I, I have high hopes. I'm super excited for Scream 5, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to see it in theaters by the time that it comes out. Dear God, I hope we can go see this movie in theaters. <laughs> We're going to be able to see it in theaters, Sydney. It's still in like pre-production right now. <laughs> you never know. You know what? I feel like... If there's if there's any movie that they would hold and not release on video on demand, they would hold this one. You know what I mean? Like if they're holding the Candyman spiritual sequel, they're not gonna send Scream Five for you to watch at home on your laptop. Even though that's probably what I will do. We'll see. Okay. And that is the end of our Scream. All of our Scream movies. I'm our Screamathon. Yeah, our Screamathon. I'm very sad because I love all of these movies. But next week, we will be talking about the low-key movie, Donnie Darko, for Halloween week. Yeah, we didn't want to launch into another franchise right away. Um, we just had done a bunch of the classics, obviously. So we wanted to figure out something that maybe wasn't so obviously a Halloween movie, but is still a Halloween movie. Hopefully, once we rewatch this, we will feel validated in that choice. <laughs> um, I guess we'll see. And if not, we'll have young Jake Gyllenhaal to <laughs> look at. I have not seen this since I very I saw it the very first time, which was at least a decade ago. So I honestly have no idea what it's even about at this point. I just know that I felt a little sad as well as scared when I watched it. So we're going to get real emotional on our Halloween episode and I'm ready for it. Also, don't forget if you liked this episode to follow and rate us. We are on Apple Pod, Spotify, and Stitcher. And follow our social medias at Spooky underscore Tuesday. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. You forgot the first rule of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original.